Welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. Family life can be crazy and chaotic, so join us as we figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast. My name is Joanna Koho and I'm your host for this episode. Now, each episode of Parent Ed Podcast, we'll be tackling questions that parents are asking about family life, parenting, marriage, work life, actually anything under the sun. So we'll be speaking with everyday parents and practitioners as they share with us their experiences and also some practical ideas. We hope that you'll keep tuning in to learn with us and to grow personally in your journey as parents. Mm. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the family. Um, I mean, we've read reports about how, uh, for example, you know, recently there was a report about how suicides uh, amongst those below age 25 are typically associated with poor family relationships, you know, either parent-child discontent or maybe even sibling rivalry may not be between parent and child, um, as well as, of course, uh, you know, the usual BGR, Boigel relationship issues and academic stress. But um, I think key yeah. to us is, you know, how, what, what part can family play? Sometimes family has been deemed as the cause of all these problems, all these mental health problems. Um, but yet, at the same time, we know that family is so key to providing that that support, that safe space that uh, I think both of you are talking about. Um, and of course, um, when it comes to parents, you know, parents have a pivotal role as well to play in um, not just um, uh, you know, uh, helping their child when their child is uh, encountering issues, you know, but also in, mm. in helping their children to maybe build resilience or to know that if they do encounter a road bump, you know, how do we begin to process some of these emotions? Because I can also sort of sense that some of these things, if we talk about, it seems like, you know, the, the fear of parents is that, oh, then if my child is depressive, they will forever be versus okay, maybe my child's just going through a rough patch. And uh, I think you used the word episode, like having a depressive episode. It may not be like lifelong and chronic, you know. Mm, um, but mm. I don't even just acknowledge them and help them through the first step. <laughs> it may become chronic and lifelong. So what role can really family uh, play? And maybe, you know, um, Sean, if you could like advise parents out there who have you know kids like you yeah like what helps what does not help i would firstly i would say it's not it's not my place to tell anybody to do anything but um like i would say that um the first thing that parents can do is to understand so is to is to understand that like you know my, my my child is not bluffing and like my child is like not not making this up and like therefore the awareness has to be there lah. And so whenever a child comes to the parents and like, um, if, if in that rare case that a child opens up, which is not very common nowadays, um, you want to seize that opportunity to immediately like not tell them what to do, but like say that you understand them and say that like, you know, this is like totally normal and like, mm. you know, I, I understand how you feel and stuff like that. So you want to make them feel that you're in a safe space because when a child opens up to a parent, I feel that it's, it's going to be a very, very rare thing. So some parents don't even get that in their lifetime. Um, sadly so uh, the first thing I would uh, say is to like um, to, to first show that you understand them and understand the problem and, and not play it off as like you're just tired and you're just stressed or like it's exam period and so you're like that you know what I mean and so yeah uh, I mean I cannot I really cannot stress uh, how much like awareness uh, means to me I've seen so many um, parents even my my friend's parents just tell their friend tell, tell their children that like you know oh, you're, just, you're just lazy or you're just you're just tired or like, and just play it off as like something lesser very quick. And I feel, um, based on what, what they're feeling, could be something like a mental health um, issue. Uh, I'll say that it triggers me sometimes when, it, when, it, when I see people 
that ignorant and the child that's suffering from mental health issues um kind of like gets the gets the end of it because like they first go and come to that come like tell their parents you know and I can give you an analogy um, because it is actually very difficult for parents to understand what's the impact of anxiety or depression on a person if they themselves have not had those experiences. So I'm going to tell a story and hopefully that can kind of give parents some perspective. I always tell the story as if we go into a jungle and all of a sudden you didn't ask for it, but the tiger come jumping out at you and scares you, haven't even bite you, huh? but scares you. <laughs> so you had that fear in, in psychology that I tend to call it trauma. Okay, then you're traumatized because you didn't expect it. It came all of a sudden and it was something above and beyond what you could handle. So the tiger scare you haven't bite you yet. And then the next time when you go back and every time you pass by this jungle, right, the tiger didn't even have to appear. But you will start to anticipate any time the tiger may come. You'll be hypersensitized to hear, is there any sound that kind of tell you you have to get ready to run, you know. The tiger may be coming any time and can feel all the symptoms, the heart beating, palpitating very fast, breathlessness, and you're getting ready to kind of run for your life. But actually nothing happened. But you go to the jungle and you were scared once. This is the trigger. And for a different teenager, they've got different trigger events. Be it they are victim of bully, be it they have performance anxiety where they try very hard, prepare for an exam, and lo and behold, they just underperform. Yeah, and they got so disappointed, so discouraged. The pain was so huge. It was not resolved. And every time they do a test or an exam, they just froze and blank out and can no longer perform. And that is the impact of anxiety. That while the tiger may not be there, the tiger kind of lived in us and has a power over us. And so a lot of young people I work with that has either social anxiety, performance anxiety, or generic type of anxiety, or, or and anxious of going into a big crowd, or, or with the COVID incident, trigger a lot of anxiety issue. It's about that. And what's very tricky is we cannot see the tiger, but it is really made alive in our system, in our psychological system, in our psyche. And what's very tri tricky that I, I can understand what people can't see is they look from head to toe normal. Got hand, got leg, and usually also very smart. But I want to say I work with very, very smart clients. They're top performing students in top school. They don't just top the class, they top the cohort. But I find with very, very smart students, they also have a very huge brain capacity. I call Ferrari engine. And the Ferrari engine is also very capable of doing one thing called overthinking. Mm. They think deep thoughts. They think multiple dimension. They think many things at one time. And that can be experienced as very, very overwhelming for them. And then they become very tired because that is very energy zapping. I say all that to help parents at least to understand it, it's not as simple as what meets the eye. Clearly, physiologically, biologically, they all look everything functional. But with psychology and with trauma and with internal pain, psychosocial, emotional issues, the eyes cannot see. Mm. And if we only dismiss it to say that you're lazy, you know, you, you are no diligence, then we are basically saying that the person clearly has a broken leg. And I demand that no matter what, you have to finish running a marathon. Mm. But cannot, well, we never ask a person with a broken leg to finish the marathon, man. But that's what we do all the time with people who have mental health issues. We somehow expect them to, you know, greet, you know, suck it up and move on. 
Mm-hmm. And when they can't, they already feel so much guilt and so much shame. And, and we still come and say, that, you know, I really care for you, but you can't go on like that. Just get off your bed, go to school and get it done. Yeah, if you just kind of find a way to push through, surely you can do it. I believe in you. With mental health issues, this kind of rah-rah doesn't work. I always say when I do resilience workshop, right, we are not trying to build incredible hawk resilience. Outside, look, all the muscles, six cubes, everything. No, resilience is about an internal strength that can I feel secure in who I am, that from the inside, I feel strong. That's the resilience mm. we want. So instead of just rah-rah them, I believe in you, come get up and get going, you know, when the going gets tough, that's when the tough gets going. Uh, that one is <laughs> doesn't work for mental health issues. But if you can come in and just provide a safe space, and Sean mm. mentioned, right, can parents be a bit more understanding? Fine. If parents cannot understand, then parents can say, help me understand. Mm. The moment you come from a stance to say, instead of saying, I understand, sometimes teenagers feel so fake, right? Because you understand, actually, you clearly don't look like you understand. Then we, we come from a stance to say, help me understand. Yeah. Tell me more. Educate me. Share with me what's inside your heart. I will listen and I will learn not to judge. I will withhold my judgment. And teenagers will appreciate that because in that space, they see authenticity, they see they see um, us being real and we're not trying to say mm-hmm. we can, we know how to do. We're saying, I'm learning. Can you help me learn to understand you? And I think mm-hmm. that's a much better space than trying to kind of rub them. Yeah. Definitely. It sounds like we're also not imposing um, solutions on them that they may not be ready for and that they don't take ownership of as well. And in, in imposing yeah. it, it doesn't help them build resilience like, in that sense versus helping them walk through you know what it is that's going on the turmoil that's going on in them internally and and coming out of it better and feeling that hey mm. you know i can actually have uh, control over uh you know my like you said the overthinking that i might be doing or you know the multiple conflicted emotions that i might be experiencing um sean mm. if you had to describe you know your your journey with uh mental health how would you describe it uh, so that in maybe in that sense it could also give some vocabulary or perhaps a voice um to other young people who might also be listening in i would say that my my battle, I would say, struggle with mental health has been a uh, very like tumultuous, um, and it's a very like up and down kind of journey thing. Where like some days you just feel like, you know, you can do it. Like, uh, you know, I'm gonna win it. People that are struggling have to understand that it's also not a one day thing. It's not like uh, overnight. Like, wow, I wake up and I feel good, and like it's never gonna come back again. I mean, it always like come back, and it always like um try to try to break you down and like. Um, do these do these kind of things to you, but I guess um, like what my mom said, you gotta like have that security in yourself, and like you just gotta have that driving force, and you gotta know what's your purpose in life, and like what what's what's the meaning of doing all this, and don't let other people like tell you what to do in your life, because when other people tell you what to do, there's no meaning in that, right? Because you're not doing it for yourself. Actually, one example I can bring up is um, my so-called um, journey with swimming. And so swimming wasn't really what I wanted to do um, like competitively because like I, I just felt that like it wasn't for me. And like, um, you know, after like uh, getting pushed to do it 
even my, my parents and even my friends and my coaches, it, it, it brought me a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression because I, I wasn't finding joy in doing swimming. Because of that, like, I, I got anxiety and whatnot. And so uh, one thing I did was to change into another sport. So I did triathlon instead. And so even though it has that swimming component, but I I, I guarantee you that I, I find so much more joy in training uh, nowadays. If you are a swimmer, you will know that like swimming competitions just bring like uh, a lot of like stress and anxiety to you because, um, you know, it's just that split second difference. But in terms of triathlon, I feel that um, it's more relaxed. As, um, not not saying that like it's, it's not hard. Triathlon is way way hard and so um, harder (laughs) three times harder yeah I I just feel that sense of joy because I actually like what I'm doing now and so um, Mm -hmm. anxiety and depression can't really get me because what I'm doing brings me joy and it's like having that like um, joy in your heart while um, that will help you push through um, all these kind of like things that come at you yeah I mean it's definitely easier said than done it's definitely not a one-time thing and it's not like, oh, okay, because I find joy, that, oh, I, I do this, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling happy right now, you know, I'm, I'm free and I'm never going to get anxiety or depression again. It's kind of like the process that you got to work through with yourself every single day. I don't know what you guys want to do, but like get like yourself right for the day. Like oh, that's kind of what I'm doing nowadays. Yeah, that really helps me. If I could ask each of you um, for one final thing, um, I'm quite sure that amongst our listeners today, there will be you know parents or um, families where they suspect that um, their children are not doing so well, um, be it mentally, emotionally. There's something not quite right with my child. Um, uh, or or maybe they could be a, a, a young person, you know, with a sibling that they're worried about, or maybe they're worried about themselves. Okay, so for such families where, you know, they suspect that somebody in the family is not doing so well mentally, emotionally, um, what is the first thing you um, encourage them to do? I would definitely say this. Uh, first off, uh, if the child can feel like either parent or both parents um, they feel safe to open up with them, then I think the first line of defense is go to your parents or go to a trusted adult. Uh, it's very important with mental health issues that you need to go to someone in whom you can trust and feel safe. Yeah. And and I will not be surprised. Many teenagers may not find their parents safe and, and parents don't take it personally. It's just a phase because you're too close for comfort. You know, you ask them to bear your soul, then they feel very naked in front of you. So I think you can... You, as parents, you want to give them that space and you want to be able to offer other objective space for them to kind of be able to confide and, and pour out their heart. So, of course, I definitely would recommend if you are beginning to see signs and for some reason your children are not coming to you or does not want to come to you, always offer them. Because when you offer them to seek help uh, from a professional, you break the taboo. You give them permission to say, it's okay to seek help. Only high-functioning people seek help. You know, only responsible people seek help. And that's a very healthy thing to do. That's why I tell all my clients, you are courageous, you are responsible, you are already showing self-care. And that tells me that, you know, there is a very positive prognosis because you are able to bring yourself into therapy. Only high-functioning people are able to do that. And when your your child kind of felt like permission is given, you, you break the taboo. And that they can find for themselves an objective space where they can do some self-exploration. And I think the way I love to neutralize it is as we take care of our oral hygiene on a daily basis and some of us brush teeth after every meal, right? That's you taking care of oral hygiene. You have never asked yourself, when will I stop taking care of my oral hygiene? Never. Yeah. 
and we, as we buy supplements and detox, you know, flush out all the toxin in our body, we spend thousands of dollars doing it. And my question is, why is it any different when it comes to mental hygiene? So doing self-work, seeking help from uh, going for therapy is just a very, very nice way of taking care of ourselves to detox mentally. Because every day we take in so much garbage, mentally judgment, uh, uh, negative self-talk, mm-hmm. uh, and we need a space where we can go detox and we need to go to a space that someone knows how to help us detox. And I think that's just a discipline that I, I strongly encourage. One day my dream is, you know, seeing a therapist becomes normal. It is just a way of life where we take care of ourselves. So I think if the parents can give a response to say it's okay and, and don't don't look like, ha, huh, you got depression, are you sure or not? Then you look so scared and you begin to transfer your anxiety and fear to the child. That doesn't help. So manage your own emotions calmly and say that, okay, I hear you. If you feel safe, talk to me. If you don't, let's let's find a space for you that you feel safe enough to confide in. Support them in that way. And all mental health challenges can at some point find their way to be resolved. Because all a human being needs is for that pain to be seen, heard and understood. And when the pain is attended to, the pain will have done its work and we become better version of us. Very good. Yeah, and, and we are not unwittingly adding to the stigma. <laughs> Sean, yeah. how about you? I feel that, that every teenager, I say, uh, should know that like, um, in a certain way, your parents are always there for you, no matter how they might appear or something like that. And so don't be scared to come approach them about the situation. You don't have to tell them everything. You know, just kind of say that, like, I feel I feel this certain way and stuff like that. Yeah, so just be open with them. I know it's not very common nowadays, but yeah, do do try to be open with your parents about these kind of things because you want to try to take away that taboo. And then and thereafter, family can truly be the refuge rather than the cause of problems or, or yeah, exacerbating yeah. ex- the problem. Thank yeah. you both so much. And thank you for sharing your lives and being so uh, vulnerable about it. Just for our listeners out there, if you have any other questions, you know, and maybe today's uh, podcast, I know has been a, a, a full of information. If there are any other areas that we can help you with, you can always write to us at parent at, that's parent with an ed at family.org.sg. Or you can check us out uh, on Facebook or Instagram on our social media. Uh, that would be focus on the family.sg. Uh, on Facebook and our Instagram handle is Thriving Family SG. Uh, we have a webinar coming out in July that uh, is going to address another kind of resilience, and this is uh, about relational health as well as sexual intelligence. Uh, you might want to check that out, and you can go to our website, family.org.sg, to do so. So, thank you so much, Karis uh, and Sean, for today's sharing. Uh, and I really hope for all parents out there and also your children that, you know, together working for as a, a family, as a, a loving unit that we are supposed to be, uh, we can indeed tackle our child's mental health and ensure the best outcomes. And like what Carrie said, be a better version of ourselves, even for us as parents. So thank you so much for tuning into the Parent Ed Podcast. <laughs>